Good morning, church. Good morning, and valued guests at home on the internet. My name is Jamie, and we are going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy and peace. We need all of those things from you. And uh, will you help us to hear your truth today? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are in Luke's gospel. It's not a mystery. Uh, Last time I preached, we were in chapter 2 when Jesus was 12 and he stayed in the temple, remember, and the parents didn't know where he was. And uh, very briefly in that sermon, I mentioned that we sometimes have a bad habit of forgetting that Jesus is true God and true man. So I want to remind us of that again. And then I was like, why do I keep wanting to remind us about that? And um, I think it's because Lent is coming up. Oh, no. And so um, that's one of those times when it's, you know, we need to, I don't know. Anyway, Lent's coming up. And so I'm going to invite everyone to practice a spiritual discipline with me, and that's fasting. And you know your health situation. So if it's not healthy for you to fast, uh, you know, if you want to do something else, come talk to me. We'll figure out something. You know, we'll make your life miserable somehow. Um, (laughs) Come join us in our human (laughs) misery. (laughs) Um, but anyway yes um, I'd love for you to join me in in a fast and all I mean by that is um, however you mean that just skipping a meal maybe skipping two meals I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to eat dinner when it gets dark that's when it's on it is on every day is a feast day after the sun goes down Um, and sports drinks during the day because I have a problem. I have a problem with (laughs) vitamins. I need them (laughs) a lot. So um, that's that's my plan. If anyone's interested in that, uh, do that with me. Okay, so anyway, with Jesus, we don't really have a problem uh, remembering that he is God, right? Um, It's the human part that we kind of forget, um, especially once Jesus starts his, like, miracle-filled ministry. Right, Because we read about these wonderful acts of power, and then we tend to diminish the human part. Um, But Luke starts his gospel with lots of moments to remind us that Jesus, the Messiah, is true God and true man. All right, like not true God and true superman. Um, In chapter 1, you know, Jesus is uh, to be born from a human. And in chapter 2, as an infant, he is circumcised, and he's presented at the temple, right, like his parents keep the law for him, right? He's not exempt. He's here to fulfill. So he depends on his parents for that. Um, In chapter 3, he's baptized, okay? And again, like he doesn't exempt himself from baptism. Like does he need a repentance, a baptism of repentance? Like no, but he participates. And... um, And just to make sure that we're not missing the point, after uh, Luke tells us that Jesus is baptized, you know, and the Holy Spirit comes, um, right after that, Luke gives us Jesus' genealogy. Like, it kind of comes in a weird place, doesn't it? Um, So Luke reminds us, like, here's Jesus. He's divine and human, and here's a list of humans he's related to. You know, all the way back to the first one, Adam, the son of God. 
So uh, then in chapter 4, you know, Luke shows us again some humanity of Jesus with um, his temptation, right? He fasts for 40 days. We're told he's very hungry. That is a very human state. And he has to deal with temptation, also very human. And then he starts his ministry. And the part that Jim preached on last week, where he's uh, reading the scroll in the synagogue, and everybody's really impressed until they aren't. And then they want to kill him, right? They want to throw him over a cliff, which is quite a reaction. Uh, so Luke shows us straight away that his ministry is dangerous. And um, if Jesus was, you know, all divine and none human, uh, there's no chance of danger in that, right? So now we get to chapter 5. Is that a good summary? Everybody on board? <laughs> Anyone want to throw me off a cliff yet? Not yet. So um, chapter 5, Jesus' ministry is about to get more dangerous and more human because he's about to add some humans to his ministry, okay? He's about to collect his disciples. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, and we will talk about evangelism. Yay! No, okay. <laughs> All right, starting at the first verse. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen. So I love Luke's story of Jesus calling his first disciples because it has it all, okay? There's like a riveted crowd. There's boats, right? There's danger. The boats start sinking, okay? There's like this abundance. There's an epiphany, right? Peter recognized that he is in the presence of the divine, right? Lives are changed forever. Add a song, and that's just good cinema, right? You should have led oceans today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, here we have Jesus preaching to a crowd of people by the shore, 
of Lake Gennesaret. Never heard of her. Where is that, the moon? I don't know. I'm just kidding. It is actually the Sea of Galilee. Did everybody know that but me? No. It has like four different names. Yeah, that's, that's the fun of geography. So uh, Jesus is in Capernaum and the Galilee region. He's like up in the northern parts um, right now because, well, remember, he was kind of chased out in last week's sermon. He was chased out of Nazareth. Um, so he's at this shore, and this crowd is here, and they're so interested in him and what he's saying that Luke tells us they were pressing in on him. So Jesus needs some space so that he can continue teaching them. So he sees two boats by the lake, and he sees these fishermen washing their nets. They're done for the day, right? They're closing up shop. And um, Jesus just gets into one of the boats. We're told it's Simon's boat. So completely uninvited, Jesus gets into Simon's boat and asks him to take it out a little way from the shore. And to his credit, Simon obeys, right? He could have been like, sorry, my dude, but my shift ended an hour ago. Find another boat. And we know, because we just read the story, okay, that Simon and his brother and partners have been fishing all night. And uh, to make it even more sour, they have caught nothing. Right? Simon has to be feeling like less than happy about the stranger getting into his boat and asking for favors. But he does. He obeys. He takes Jesus out from the shore, and Jesus teaches. And it doesn't tell us how long it took. Right? It doesn't even tell us what he taught. Okay? But here's Simon trapped on a boat with Jesus teaching, right? But do you think he was like a true captive audience? Like, did he listen to Jesus' teaching? Like, how much did he hear, right? Because um, do you think maybe he was sitting there kind of angry and anxious, like bone tired from working all night? And he has nothing to show for his work, right? He has no fish. So he has like neither food for his family nor anything to sell to make money to pay the taxes, right? He's got taxes to Herod. He's got taxes to Rome, like double tax. Who wants to work for double tax? None of us. So tonight when he goes out to fish, he's starting at a deficit, okay? He'll need to catch two days' worth of fish now to make up for catching nothing today. And maybe that's why he didn't kick Jesus out of the boat. You know, maybe he saw this crowd and thought, well, this teacher seems pretty popular. Maybe they'll give him some money after he teaches. And maybe he'll give me some for borrowing the boat. You know, I won't have to go home empty-handed. I don't know. I know I'm human. I know Peter's human. I picture Simon half listening to Jesus or less. And thinking about all that's gone wrong, right? The stress of provision, the burden of taxes, and the pressure of starting with a deficit tomorrow. And then he half hears Jesus finishing up his teaching, and he's like, okay, I'll take you back to shore now. And Jesus says, no, let's go out to the deep water and do some fishing. I think of it like this, okay? My dad, okay, it's right, right there. My dad worked third shift at Goodyear for 30 years. And I imagine him working all night 
And in the morning, he gets into his truck to go home. And a stranger gets in and says, hey, let's drive over there now and make some more tires. Like, no, get out of my truck. That's not happening. And that would be the polite version. <laughs> and Simon is polite in this version too, okay? But there is tension here. Right? They've had a terrible night of work. They're cleaning up their tools so they can go home to try to get some sleep so that they can come back tonight to try again. And now this guy wants to go fishing. And anyone who has ever worked at a restaurant or in retail, okay, you know this feeling, right? Ten minutes till closing, you're cleaning up, you're counting the register, all of that. And some hmm, entitled human bafflement comes in and demands service. And you're like, are you kidding me? That's where Simon is right now. He's in the, are you kidding me? And we read this story like so many times, right? Maybe we skate right by the tension, but it's there. And Jesus says, go out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And it makes no sense. Go out in the middle of the day when the fish are not around and drop the nets that you just spent the morning cleaning which means you're going to have to clean them again when you get back. That's a lot to ask, and it makes no sense. And we read Simon's response. Master, very polite, very respectful. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Do you think, go with me here, do you think it was that fast? No. Do you think Simon was more like, Master, very polite. We toiled all night and took nothing. And he looks at Jesus, expecting him to defer to the professional fisherman, right? And say, like, you're right. I'm sorry. Thank you for letting me borrow your boat. See you. But it never comes, right? Jesus just looks at Simon. And, uh, and Simon keeps looking at Jesus, like, take the hint, dude. Jesus is looking at Simon, and he's probably trying not to crack up, right? Because I'm sure he knows something cool's about to happen. And then it's Simon who breaks, right? All right, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And you notice Simon goes from a we to an I, okay? We worked hard all night and caught nothing. And then he says, I will let down the nets. He doesn't get the others involved in this thing that makes no sense. Let's not dirty up all the nets. Let's not get out all the boats. Simon makes the call to obey Jesus. And right away, uh, nothing Nothing makes any sense. But now it's like in the opposite way it wasn't making any sense before, right? There's so many fish in the nets that they start breaking. Okay, this is an emergency because the tools they use to catch fish are breaking. If they lose the tools, they lose the fish. And Simon calls his partners in the other boat, right? He gets the others involved now, right? It goes from I'll let down the nets to I need help. The friends come and help. And they don't 
lose the fish. But now there's so many fish that the boats, plural, start to sink. Like this is more than lose the tools, lose the fish, because now it's like lose the everything. Okay, plus it is dangerous. They're in the deep water. Like, can they swim? Probably, yeah. But this is chaos, and it makes no sense. And it's gone from an abundance of fish to like a full-on supernatural amount of fish. So by verse 8, Simon Peter, because now he's Simon Peter in the story. Okay, he's been Simon the whole time. And Luke uses this moment to show us a change. Simon Peter has had this teacher in his boat, and he's at least half heard him preach something, probably something about the kingdom of God. And now something wild and beyond human is happening right in front of his face. And he is transformed, right? He's humbled, and he falls down at Jesus' knees, and he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And Luke shows us this incredible moment of the human and the divine and a transformation that happens that carries us through the rest of the New Testament. Okay, we'll put a pin in that. But verse 8 is the first time in the story that Jesus' name is used, too. Was that weird? Did anyone else notice that? It's just like he got in a boat. (laughs) He was preaching, he got in a boat. But now that Simon Peter recognizes that he's in the presence of something more than human, And he might not have a vocabulary for it yet, right? But he knows enough to fall down and confess, I am a sinful man. And now he's not just at his knees. He's at Jesus' knees. And in this moment of danger and chaos, because it must be super loud and frantic, right? Simon Peter doesn't ask for Jesus to save him. He asks him to go away. Because what Simon Peter feels is his own sinful flesh keeping him from being worthy to be in the presence of the divine. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Does this remind you of Isaiah? Chapter 6 of Isaiah, the prophet sees Yahweh sitting on his throne. And Isaiah is like, oh no, (laughs) right? I'm in the presence of Yahweh. I'm a man of unclean lips. I shouldn't be here. I'm going to die. And one of the angels takes a burning coal and touches his lips with it and says, okay, man of unclean lips, this will blot out your sin. You're clean now. And as soon as that happens, God says, now who will work for us? And Isaiah says, oh, me. So Luke echoes Isaiah's heavenly temple moment with the story of Simon Peter realizing he's a sinful man and in the presence of God. Jesus Christ, God with skin on, come to die to blot out our sin and make us clean. It's an amazing piece of writing, how Luke reveals the kingdom of God to us. Right? It starts with Jesus teaching in a boat. That's an attention grabber. And then there's an odd abundance of fish, right? And it's, it's a lot of fish. And it can't be contained by human tools. But then it goes from being this curiously odd abundance to a dangerous abundance. A supernatural abundance that transforms a heart and demands a response. 
And Peter is transformed. He confesses he's a sinful man, just like Isaiah. Instead of a hot coal being needed to blot out his sin, though, we have Jesus, the Son of God. And then just like in the Isaiah story, uh, Jesus accepts Peter and then invites him to come and work. Right? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Jesus says to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And that's what happens. And if you notice, his yes, uh, it brings his friends to say yes, right? At the end of that story, it says they all left everything and followed him. The disciples are called and they learn from Jesus. And then in the book of Acts, Luke tells us that they're given the Holy Spirit. And they go out and they catch people, just like Jesus says. And it seems like an odd way to put it. I admit, I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. Like, you will, you will be catching men. And I know we're kind of used to hearing it uh, from the other Gospels. They say, you know, I will make you fishers of men. And, uh, and we're very familiar with it. But if you're new to this or not used to hearing it, like, that sounds weird. Do you remember when you first heard it and it was like, what? What do you mean we're going to catch men, fish for men? When we fish for fish, it's either to, like, eat them or sell them. I mean, and now it's for sport. That doesn't sound good. What are we doing? Are we going to use bait to trick people into believing in God? Right? Are we going to, like, dangle carrots in front of people to lead them to the kingdom of God? I do think there are Christians who, who do think that catching people for God does involve using bait. They might not admit it. But I've seen them use things like fear, you know, and they present the gospel as a way to avoid hell only, as if that is the point. I don't think that's what Jesus means at all. I think he's telling these fishermen, like, look, you had a job. Like 10 seconds ago, you had a job that was about one thing. And now you're going to have a job that's about people. Right? And he'll spend the next three years or so teaching them how and what it means to love people, right? how to serve, how to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God so that others can be transformed and respond. Luke writes this story, and then in Acts chapter 2, he writes about the Pentecost, uh, when the apostles were, were uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter gets up in front of a massive crowd of people in Jerusalem. And he preaches to them. It's a hard sermon. There's no gimmicks, okay? There's no bait. He preaches about Jesus' resurrection and tells them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And Luke tells us that 3,000 souls were added that day. Also confused by that sentence. I like the souls part. 3,000 souls. I like it to not say, like, men, men and women, you know, people, like, souls. That sounds really cool. It says they were added that day. But it's like, added to what? <laughs> I don't know. They don't have a name for it yet. But I wonder if at the end of that day, if Peter was like, that was wild. What just happened? You know? And everyone's like, we just had 3,000 people get baptized. You know, like 3,000 people want to know more about Jesus. 
3,000. What does that mean? I don't know what that number means, right? That's, what are we going to do with 3,000? There's 12 of us. It's 250 disciples for each of us. No. Absolutely not. We're going to sink. And I wonder if this dangerous abundance of people reminded him of that day that he was called to be a disciple, right? With his nets breaking and his boat sinking, he realizes he's a sinful man, not worthy to be in God's divine presence. And yet, because of Jesus, he was judged forgiven and then invited into the kingdom and invited to the work. And he didn't just hear the gospel, but he let it transform him, and then he responded to it by leaving everything and following Jesus. So that's a cool story, isn't it? It's a pretty cool story. What do we do with that story? Do we go out and buy boats so that Jesus can come and sink them, so that we can confess we're sinners and then like be invited to work for God's kingdom? No. Please don't. <laughs> um, you're already in a church right now, right? You've, you've heard the gospel, and uh, your transformation and response is up to you, right? Do you obey Jesus and follow him? But do you know that you need to do this, like, daily? This is like an everyday thing? Because if you responded to the gospel on Monday, that doesn't mean that you've got Tuesday covered But think about this, okay? Peter has verse, his verse 8 moment, is what we're going to call that. He falls at Jesus' knees, and then he confesses, and he's invited into the kingdom. And he keeps living that. He gives up everything to follow. And he has this verse 8 moment because of this divine, dangerous abundance. And then it leads him eventually to this other divine, dangerous abundance of people, right? The church. That's us, okay? Look how far-reaching that is. So if you were sitting there thinking, like, I wish I had a cool, miraculous origin story like Peter had, you do. It is the same story. It is our story, the church's story. Look how far-reaching that one moment of obedience has been. Because you say so, I'll drop the net. So imagine on your cranky days, when you're only half paying attention to God because you think you know everything. I am preaching to myself. <laughs> I don't know. Take it if you need it. So on that day, imagine doing whatever thing God is nudging you to do. Right? Maybe die to yourself a little bit. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times this happens. Where it's like, I know what I'm doing. I do this every day. But because you said so. In order to get to a verse 8 moment, we're going to need to obey the verse 5 moment, okay, of doing the thing that God says, even when it's inconvenient. Jamie, comma, Jamie Jones. 
How about that? Amen. Let's pray. Holy, almighty, unshakable one, thank you for your word, and thank you for your son. You come to us in abundance, and then invite us to be your abundance. And we are not worthy. Jesus, thank you for the invitation into God's kingdom, and thank you for your sacrifice that judges us as forgiven. And Holy Spirit, will you help us with this invitation? Help us choose it every day. And help us navigate our way in being part of divine, dangerous abundance. Will you please help us keep our hearts soft as we keep learning how to follow and serve. In Jesus' name, amen.